We're now in week three of our worship series, We Want to See Jesus. We've been going through the Old Testament, seeing God's promise of a Savior coming more and more into sharper picture. This week, we're in Exodus 12, looking at the very first Passover and all the amazing details that are here, pointing ahead to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There are some movies that can't help but leave a lasting impression on your view of the world. 12 Years a Slave left that variety of a mark on me. I was all of 18 years old, naively thinking I had the universe figured out when my mom nudged me into seeing a portrait of a life I could never even imagine. This movie is based on the autobiography of Solomon Northup, and he details all the abuses he endured. A man who was free but tricked into slavery that took him away from his family for over a decade. A life of being degraded, made to suffer awful torments, robbed of physical, emotional, or spiritual wealth. Watching the film put human faces to the horror of slavery. Solomon knew the joy of freedom, but to have that freedom snatched away deceptively, forced to live apart from his family for years, was a weight far too unbearable for anyone. He wrote in his book, Oh, how heavily the weight of slavery pressed upon me, my future of dying without attention. Slavery was and is an atrocity. And there is no more tragic variety than our slavery of sin. By nature, that's who we are, spiritual slaves. Without Jesus, our ultimate destiny is spiritual death, uh, hell, a place without the loving attention of God, these chains of sin, this prison, this struggle was never what the Lord intended. He always intended for us at the beginning to be free, to walk with Him. These chains of sin would never lock His love away from us. He would give us freedom again, dropping those shackles and replacing them with golden crowns. But such freedom wouldn't come free. There would be a price. There would need to be blood. Such a freedom was the fading dream of the Israelites of Moses' time. After the Lord made his promise to Abraham, we heard about that last week in Genesis 12, Abraham would finally have a son at 100 years old, his wife Sarah at 90, and this miracle child Isaac would have twin boys, Esau and Jacob, Jacob who would wrestle with God and be given the new name of Israel, wrestler of God. He would have 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. And when famine hit the promised land of Canaan, Joseph, one of Israel's sons, would rescue his family by bringing them to Egypt. But then 400 years passed. The Israelites became more than just a family. It became a nation. Millions of people, a large immigrant group in a foreign land. But then a pharaoh would come about who couldn't care less about Joseph. He feared what this immigrant group could become. He enslaved them. He brutalized them. He killed their babies. He demoralized them. So many cries went up from this nation of Israel to the Lord, asking for rescue, pleading for hope. And then the Lord made another promise one fateful night. He said, Take the blood of a lamb and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of your houses 
The blood will be a sign for you in the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Imagine what ran through the Israelites' minds here. This suffocating slavery would be ended by the blood of a farm animal? Will be free by the blood of a baby sheep? How can this be true? That question, how can this be true, was on the mind of a man in the 1500s who could feel the chains of sin striking him in every moment and every thought. Martin Luther knew sin at the deepest depths of despair. He wrote, I lived without reproach as a monk, but my conscience was disturbed to its very depths and all I knew about myself was that I was a sinner. I couldn't believe that anything I thought or did or prayed satisfied God. I did not love, no, I hated the righteous God who punishes sinners. Martin never felt like he was enough. Bound and chained in a cell of self-hatred, believing God could never love a broken slave to sin like him, believing the only intention God would give him is judgment and death. I think of that 18-year-old boy I once knew, sitting in a movie theater, shocked by sin, shocked at what human beings are capable of, shocked that my sinful nature is no different. Shocked that I too have felt those chains of sin's mastery over me. What kind of mastering metal do your sin chains consist of? Is it disbelief and doubt about how God is directing your life like the people of Israel? Is it despair that God can never love you? Is it self-loathing, finding yourself unlovable in your eyes and especially God's? Is it addiction? Is it regret? Is it tears of grief never-ending? Is, is it that feeling that you're not beautiful enough, smart enough, strong enough? Is it that feeling that life is passing you by? Now, Satan loves to see us place those chains of sin back on our wrists. It's one of his ultimate lies. He illogically coaxes our sinful flesh to clasp on those chains again when the effects of sin bring us to our knees. He, he wants us to choose the convenient lie. This lie that seems to promise comfort and relief, but instead we find ourselves find ourselves enchained again. How Satan smiles when we choose sin over Savior. How he grins as the desensitized and morally degraded master of sin he is, the religious leader of hypocrisy, when we choose slavery over freedom. When we look away from the blood of the Lamb of God, how he longs for us to live in existence, looking out into the window of life from a prison cell. Look out this window, a memory fading of freedom, captivated by controllessness. That's the prison we all entered. Those are the chains the Lamb of God would shatter, his heart giving us the ultimate attention. As Satan undoubtedly tried sowing seeds of sedition and doubt against God, God's people in Egypt by faith did as the Lord's word said. By faith, they took that unblemished, blameless lamb and cared for it for four days. Their children pet that lamb, fed that lamb, loved that lamb. They knew the slaughter was coming. They knew twilight was in the distance. But most of all, they believed. If the Lord said this blood would save, they knew it would. And as twilight entered the night sky on that first Passover evening, each dagger came down on thousands of lambs. Can you picture, can you hear the ringing cry throughout the camp of Israel as these lambs were slain? The deafening noise that must have been. 
as the children heard these cries, they saw the blood coming out of that lamb. And they looked at their dad and said, Dad, why are we doing this? And the father calmly says, These are the cries of salvation and freedom, my child. As the children saw their father dip a branch in blood, each drop falling from the doorpost was a reminder. They were no different from the Egyptians. They couldn't save themselves from the slavery of death, the slavery of sin. Only blood could do that. They stared at that wood painted in the blood of a perfect lamb, and they saw hope and freedom in a most unlikely sight. The Lord had given them his loving attention. They would be free at last. Such freedom is something Martin Luther had suppressed in his heart, thinking that its possibility was impossible. Until one night, his Bible's pages happened to fall to a book called Romans, the title in bold on the top. Luther said at last, meditating day and night by the mercy of God, I gave heed to the context of the words. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed as it is written. He who through faith is righteous shall live. Then I began to understand that the righteousness of God is a gift of God, namely by faith. And here I felt as if I were entirely born again and had entered paradise itself through gates that had been flung open. Martin saw it. He saw freedom. The terrors of sin that enslaved his mind and heart fell to the ground like disintegrating chains. And he saw his Passover lamb who had taken away his sin. He raced in his imagination to when John the baptizer declared who Jesus was when he came to the Jordan River. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so baptism became Martin's rallying cry. When the forces of evil tried to coax him into putting the chains of sin back on, he would shout out into the empty room, I am baptized. You can say what you want about me, Satan, but I know all you speak is lies. I am a blood-bought Lamb of God in the arms of my Good Shepherd. That's what we have through baptism. We have the loving and forgiving attention of God. You're his child. And nothing and no one can ever take that away from you. As we read Exodus 12, the very first Passover, do you see Jesus? Isn't he everywhere? Did you see him in the unblemished, perfect lamb chosen for saving sacrifice? Did you see him as that lamb walking around its family's house, making his dwelling there, giving affection the whole way through. Did you hear Jesus at the twilight of darkness when all those thousands of lambs were slaughtered? Did you see him as the angel of death passed by? The angel of death passed by you because we have been freed by the blood of the Lamb. The Father seeing the blood-stained cross, our substitute. How amazing our Lord is. He set up the very first Passover in this way. It was all pointing ahead to the day when death would pass by all humanity, when the Lamb of God would remove its sting forever. Passover gave us a portal into the most glorious shout the world would ever hear. Not the shout and the cry of thousands of lambs, but the shout of one lamb. It is finished. As Jesus at the twilight of that Passover in 30 AD declared once and for all that Satan would never be able to chain you again. Think about the chain Satan is whispering to you to put back on. There's more here than meets the eye. He wants you to focus myopically only on your struggle with sin. But allow yourself to look beyond them. What do you see? You see the cross that remains in every moment of your life. 
You remember the blood Jesus shed, the perfect Lamb of God. He shed for you, yes, for you. You look beyond the chains and remember your baptism. The pictures you have from that glorious day when all the angels in heaven rejoice because another freed child became God's own. You hear the word of your Savior. No one will snatch you from my hand. The chains no longer seem so daunting or inviting. Instead, you long to be captivated, not by sin, but by Jesus. You want to call to mind, to remember in every moment of life what His blood has done for you. You're free. You're victorious. Never forget it. But remember, the Lord, He knows us so well. and He knows we're prone to spiritual amnesia. He knows we follow Christ. We need to keep learning the same truths of love over and over again. He shows His patience in that way, right? The Christian life is truly a combination of amnesia and deja vu. It's kind of like that thought, I know I've forgotten this before. Because our God loves us, He calls to us, He calls us to remember. He did that with the Israelites. He called them to celebrate this day of liberation every year, to start every year remembering how He rescued them from slavery. They could remember the freeing love of our rescuing God, to point them ahead so when He would free us from the slave driver of sin and death forever. He calls you to remember your baptism every day. The day your sin was drowned forever and you emerged as a new person of God, holy and blameless, washed in the blood of Jesus. In some of his final words on this earth, before he went to the cross, Jesus lovingly asked you and me to remember his body and blood in worship, to experience a closeness with him, body and blood, in, with, and under the bread and wine in a miraculous and personal way. He wants you to taste your forgiveness again and again. He wants you to know that you have His loving attention. You won't die without attention. You'll live with Jesus at your side. He calls you to remember that. That's all. Jesus, through the Scriptures, sits next to you. When those chains of sin seem impossible to resist, He says simply, Remember me, my child. Look at my hands. These wounds came from the greatest day I ever lived, the day I freed you. Those chains, they have no hold on you anymore. That accuser, Satan, is defeated. One word from my mouth sends him running. Be still. You're free. You're mine. Just remember that. He is our Passover lamb, and you are free now and always. That's what life in Jesus is all about. Freedom to love Jesus and love people with no guilt, unchained by the blood of Jesus. And just remember, there's a promised land for you too, just like there was for the children of Israel. The place where the city of God is. Where freedom is all you will experience. Trust and know that's where Jesus is leading you. Just remember. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. It absolutely floors me that there are people listening to it. I'm so thankful to get to share the good news of Jesus with you. I'm honored that you would give me some of your time to proclaim once again for both of us to hear that we have a Savior who loves us and who's there for us, and who's forgiven us. God be with you as you live for him this week. And just remember, your Savior loves you.